excited about tonight, I want to talk to you about the manifold grace of God. Now, how many actually knows what that name means? You don't have to tell me. But do you know what that name means? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Then I got a good Bible study tonight. First Peter 4 and 8 is where you read it, right in there, two verses down. But let's start out with First Peter 4 and 8. It says, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use, host, use hospitality one to another, giving without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as storts of the manifold grace of God. Lord, I love you and praise you for this day. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, to help me, Lord, to uh, minister your word to your people. And God, I'm going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I always tell you a little joke. And it, I guess Jonah, uh, we was, he wanted to play a game. And he always beats me real bad on the game. And finally, I said, I just I start out with, now you won't be mad at me if I beat you, you know, I mean, I don't want you going away, and he just simply looked at me, and he said, that would be weird, if, if, if I beat him, that would be weird, and I would be like, okay, that's fine, good way, good comeback, praise God, the manifold grace of God, amen, God's grace is one of the most important and interesting things that's in the church. We sang that song tonight, Amazing Grace. And it's just amazing to me that my, Mike did not know my lesson until he probably put it in the computer tonight. And Jonah had already had scheduled to sing Amazing Grace. It just blows my mind how God takes care of his church. But grace is the most important and interesting thing that's in, that's, that we've got. Uh, when, you, when the Bible talks about storts, it means manager. So it says manager, amen, grace, the manifold grace. It calls it a manifold grace. Now, many manifold just basically means, praise God, meant different parts of something. Um, a manifold, you can think of a manifold as a rainbow. A rainbow has a manifold of colors. There's a lot of colors that makes up that manifold. Now, an automobile has a manifold, and it supplies air to different places in that automobile. And that's what a manifold is. So what he's saying here is, and then, of course, grace is, uh, means the, for no reason the love and the favor of God. So what he's actually saying here is he's saying the different types of grace or the, the, the uh, rainbow of grace or the prism colors of grace it's it's the many ways that grace takes care of us and he he said that we need to manage that or uh that we need to praise god be stewards of that grace in other words take care of it uh use it wisely you see forgiveness is not only the way that god gives us grace we look at grace and we say well god gives us grace to be forgiven. But I got news for you. God gives us grace to live every day. Why should God allow us to live? Why should God 
praise the Lord, keep us in the way that he does? Why should he provide for you and I the way that he does? So grace is much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Grace is God's ability to give us everything that we got. And I'll be honest with you, everything that you got came from God. So everything that you have, you have because of grace. Paul tells the Ephesians in Ephesians 1 and 7, he said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. God has a tremendous amount of grace, and it's his riches. It's what he has to give. It would be like you and I having our bank accounts, and so we could uh, take care of things or pay for things or provide things or to give things out of our substance. And God has grace, and he's able to give that grace. And it says, out of the riches of his grace. In other words, it's not just a a little bit of grace. It's a tremendous amount of grace. Luke tells us in Acts 20 and 24, he said, But now these things move me, neither count I life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So the grace of God to Luke was a gospel. Paul tells us in Ephesians 3 and 2, he tells the Ephesians and us in Ephesians 3 and 2, he says, if ye have heard of the dispensation, now of grace. Now a dispensation is a period of time in which God deals with man. And there's different dispensations. There's seven of them. The first one, of course, was innocence. Adam and Eve was innocent. They ate of the forbidden fruit. They fell. And then all of a sudden, Cain and Abel come along. God finished with innocence. He started with conscience. And so he began to deal with them with conscience. And, uh, of course, that didn't work. And he went on through human government, the law, uh, completely down to what we know today from the New Testament is grace. We're in a dispensation or a period of time in which God deals with us according to grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. John 1 and 16 says, And of his fullness have we all received the grace for grace. Grace for grace. When you look at that, we can tell, amen, that it took God's grace to bring us grace. Praise the Lord. Grace is his forgiveness power. It's his favor. He gives us the favor. But he had to have favor to give us favor. He had to have grace to give us grace. He had to be favorable towards us, would probably be the best way to say it, for him him to show us favor. And so here it's telling us, John's telling us, that it is grace for grace. It is grace upon grace. And uh, God gives us that grace. Grace is uh, uh, through, grace comes through, then grace is an action, or I'm sorry, grace is a thought, and then grace is an action. And so Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, amen, grace is a gift of of faith. You have to believe it. You have to trust God to forgive you and to wipe away your sins and to uh, take away your 
sins and your iniquities. You have to be able to trust God to do that. Because there's no written contract. God doesn't give you a written contract saying your sins are forgiven. So it has to come by faith. Faith brings it. But there are manifold grace. The first one I want to talk about to you is saving grace. God has given us saving grace. God has uh, so granted us favor and mercy to, to allow us to come to him in a salvation way. We can come to God to begin with in a salvation way. We can come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Uh, of course, we, we know what salvation is. We know about repentance and baptism and Holy Ghost and coming to the Lord and, 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 and living for the Lord. We know what the salvational grace is. And the Bible talks about salvational grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we are, we do, we are, grace is not given us the ability to do. It's not even a logical thing. Think about it. If I was to step on your toe and tell you I was sorry or do anything to you and tell you I was sorry, and then turn around and do it again and tell you I was sorry. And turn around and do it again and tell you I was sorry. It's just logical that you would not expect that. Or you would not appreciate that. And that's the same way with God. Grace is not a, a license to sin or a license to do wrong. Grace is the get out of jail pass that helps us to do it better the next time. It gives us forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> Praise God. And so grace is not the ability to continue to sin. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Praise the Lord as that says. Titus 2 and 11 says, For the grace of God that brought salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. Now, Grace will also teach us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, there are some factors that we need to keep in mind when we're dealing with grace. First of all, we can be saved by grace, the grace of God, but we can also fail by not living in grace. Hebrews 4 and 1 says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise of being left us of entering into his rest. That's talking about into his salvation. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, but being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Praise God. Now, uh, but... Not being, I'm sorry, that I knew that wasn't sound right, but not being mixed with faith. And so, uh, you know, the grace of God gives us the ability to come to him. But when we don't take the gospel, or what we must do, and we don't put faith in it, we don't believe it, we don't obey it, we don't abide by it, then all of a sudden, hey, we uh, are, uh, you know, it is not mixed with faith. And he said here, he said, there were times when, the, the word of God went forth, and it was not mixed with faith. What faith there was, was believing. 
believing to the point that you're receiving and that you're doing. It was more than just believing the Lord personal, the, the Lord is your personal Savior, but it was believing to the point that you were obeying. Uh, he that believeth on me. There were signs that followed that. And so there's the gospel, and we have to follow the gospel. But we've got to have faith in that. And we are, number two is we are to grow in grace. Grace gives us the ability for when we mess up, we, you know, we have, a, we have a, the ability to make it right. It would be almost like a, a kid uh, with a piece of paper. If he wanted to do some artwork and he would scribble on that and he would do his best and mess up and he would say, I've messed up, the teacher would say, give me that. Here's another sheet of paper. Do better. Now, if he was to just scribble all over the place, of course, the teacher's going to say, no, you're not going to get no more paper. Grace gives us the ability to grow. Second Peter 3 and 18 says, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We need to grow in grace. We need to allow that grace to cause us to grow in Christ and to get better and to mature and to become better. Praise the Lord. I used to sing a song. Maybe I ought to sing it again some night. It says, if you don't think I've gone somewhere, just look back where I've been. And that's so true. Praise God. And, 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 and that song went on. About if you don't think I've gone somewhere, just look back where I've been. And the same way with you. The thing of it is, we've all got our place in this journey. But every day, are you better along? Has grace helped you to become better? Because that's what the process is. Um, If it's a math, if we're dealing with math, every one of us would not be able to do math with the same ability. Some of us would struggle with it. Some of us would do well in it. But the thing of it is, and you know, I can't remember which one of my grandkids, but we got playing a game one time, and they were so much better than me, I stopped the game and I said, look at, look, looky here. I said, you're not playing your best. I said, you're only playing to beat me. I said, you're not playing your best. And uh, every once in a while, I'd beat them. And then I would rub it in because, I, because they sh- I should have never beat them. But I'd say, you're not playing your best. And we need to do our best. When we're in grace, we need to do our best. Grace isn't a license to just mess up and move on. Grace is given to us so that we might learn in grace. So that we might grow in grace. So that we might uh, uh, become more mature in grace. That's what grace does. And and here he's saying that we need to grow in grace. Praise the Lord. Grow in grace. And then number three, we are to be strong in grace. Second Timothy, Paul tells 2 Timothy 2 and 1. He said, thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what he means by that is, and that, and that is when you fall and you ask God to forgive you, Stand up and, and stand strong in that grace. Understand. I'm telling you, you may say, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to be a failure. Praise God. And, and, and I, nobody does. But that's part of learning. That's part of being better tomorrow. And that is, you know, me- messing up 
And uh, it's, it's, it's not, the messing up ain't the problem. I've often said, failure is not messing up. Failure is quitting. That's when you fail. And so grace is given to us, and we need to trust grace. I tell God every once in a while in my prayers, I know I come short of being perfect. Just a little bit short. But anyways, I know I come short of being perfect. Okay, I'm kidding you. All right? I wanted to see who was awake out there. But we've all come short of being perfect. But that's where grace comes in and mops up the rest. And I tell God all the time, I say, God, you've got to give me that grace. I, and basically, I believe in the grace and I trust in the grace, but I am just grateful for the grace. You feel like that? And so, praise the Lord. Lord, you've got to give me that grace. You've got to be strong in grace. Praise the Lord. And then number four is, we are to continue in the grace of God. The Grace is not just a one-time thing. But Acts 13 and 43 said, persuade them to continue in the grace of God. We need to continue in God's grace. Not going out and falling away from God, but staying and continuing in the grace of God. Number five. We get grace through humility. This is good. 1 Peter 5 and 5. All of you be subject one to another. Well, we need to be more humble one to another, don't we? And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Do you know when the priest went to the tabernacle, the first thing he did was go to repentance? You know, when you go to the Lord in prayer, the first thing you ought to do is repent. Tell God you're sorry. God, I'm coming in. Praise the Lord with my head down. God, I am so sorry. I need you, Lord. God, I am so sorry. Would you please forgive? The first place of that tabernacle was the brazen altar. And that's where that sheep died. And that's where we come in and we must die. If we want the grace of God, amen, we need to come in with humility. We need to come in understanding that everybody's struggling with their situations and everybody is trying. And I need to just give them some grace if you give grace, you'll get grace. Whatever you sow, just think about it. Picture someone in your life that was very, very hard, very hard on people. And then in a period of time, they drastically fell. And what happened? People were hard on them, right? Praise the Lord. They were hard on them because it's just natural. Think of somebody in your mind who was very loving and kinding and giving and, and was very, you know, humble and very uh, gave grace to everyone, and then they fell. What, and then notice what happens around them, the people that are, you know, that, that return that to them. And that's what grace does. That's why the Bible says if, we are, uh, if we're humble, then God will give us grace. But if we come in proud, God will not give us grace. Number six, our success in Christ will only come by his grace. We are not going to ever be saved by our own works or anything else. We will walk in 
with the shoes of grace. I've never heard that, but that's good. We will walk in wearing the shoes of grace when we walk into heaven. That's what's going to be on our feet. That's the thing that's going to get us through the door is the shoes of grace. It's not going to be the shoes of works. It's not going to be the shoes of pride. It's not going to be the shoes of anything. Only the humble is going to be in heaven because the Bible says that when we get there, that we're going to take our crowns off our head and cast them at his feet and say, there's no way I could have made it here myself. I know better than that. Praise God. And so it's going to, it's that. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, he said, but by grace of God, I am what I am. It's by the grace of God. I am what I am. It's by God's grace. And you know, I've often said, if we let the sinners know, you know, I couldn't do this by myself. I needed God to help me do this. I would never be able to live a life like I've got. Praise the Lord. I am so scared that I won't be strong enough. There's no way I'm going to take credit for what God has done in my life. I'm just not going to do it. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, he said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. And uh, I, I, by the grace of God. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. I used it wisely, Paul said. I did not misuse his grace i was wise with it and he didn't lose he's not going to lose me i'm going to be in heaven i'm not it's not going to be in vain you know people who come to god and live for the lord and use that grace and then backslide waste that grace that god's given him think about that and so he said i've not wasted it in vain but i've labored more abundantly than they all, he said, I've allowed, I have allowed, here's Paul. He's like, I have allowed the mentality of God saying, go get it, boy. Because when you mess up, I'm going to give you a clean slate. He says, I have allowed that to push me farther and to do more. Because I know that God is going to take care of what I mess up. And he said, I've done more. You know, there are people that are extremely talented and they don't do half of what somebody that's less talented, maybe half as less talented as they are, but they don't do half of what they do because they don't put forth the faith to do it. Praise the Lord. And Paul said, I have labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. In other words, he he said, you know what? I have really gone hard. I have done my best. I have put my best in my ministry. And he says, because of the grace of God, I knew that God was going to give me grace and that if I would mess up, that I would be all right and God would take care of me. And so I pushed harder, and he said, and uh, I've pushed harder than most, and he said, and it's by the grace of God. Verse 7, our speech is to be, be with grace seasoned. Colossians 4 and 6 says, let your grace always, or I'm sorry, let your speech be always with grace. It's, it's an old, the old timers used to say something like this. It's better to be more gracious 
than to be more judgmental. In any situation that you're dealing with, it's better to be more gracious than to be more judgmental of the situation. Because sometimes you'll find yourself wrong. You know, it's, it's hard for us to try to pin down motives. It's very hard to do that. So it's better to be more gracious than to be more judgmental. Seven says our speech is to be grace-seasoned. In other words, um, and like I said, uh, it's supposed to be seasoned with grace. When we talk about somebody, make sure you put the seasoning of grace in what you're saying about them. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4 and 28 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, if you're trying to help somebody, the best thing you can do is let them know that you are trying to help them. James 4 and 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Therefore he seeth God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. So once again, praise the Lord, if we stay humble, God can give us the grace that we need. Then, of course, there's the thing called teaching grace. Teaching grace. Titus 2 and 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying uh, ungodly, ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, there is teaching grace. And that is, God helps us learn things, and he gives us the grace when we get it wrong. It'd be almost like a school teacher saying, okay, what is one plus one? And the students say, in three. And she would say, no, Johnny, it's not three. And uh, Johnny would be trying to figure it out, and eventually he'd say two. And she'd say, that's it, Johnny. Well, grace is like that teacher who is allowing him to make a mistake and continue to work on it and, and letting it go on. She's not going to beat him with it and say, Johnny, you know, you, you should have known that or whatever unless, you know, she's trying to correct him a little bit. But it's teaching grace. Grace is there to teach us. It's not there to allow us to do whatever we want. Once again, we've talked about that. You can't just uh, uh, do whatever you want. It's there for teaching. The Bible talks about it being a teaching grace. And then abounding faith, abounding grace. Romans 5 and 20 says, But where sin abound, grace abound much more. So wherever your sin is, if you're a greatest sinner in the world, if you're the least sinner in the world, God's got the grace that will cover you no matter what. Plus, he, just, he gives you more than you need. Isn't it great to know we can have, as, we, we, he can give us as much grace as we need. And so where grace abound, or where sin abound, grace does much more abound. And then, of course, there's hope through grace. Hope is the desire. You know, I, years ago, years and years ago, so you won't know who it is, I had a young lady who was dating a young man. And uh, that young man was, um, was uh, uh, he, she would uh, 
she, she, he would, he, he, he just didn't want to be committed. And there were, and so we sat down and I talked to her and said, you know, um, there's a difference between hope. Uh, hope is, uh, um, when you believe something is going to happen, when there's facts that it's going to happen. And, uh, I said, do you, do you have hope in this situation? She's like, no, it's just, there's nothing there. And I said, well, you can sit around and hope. But when you hope through grace, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 16 says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and have given us everlasting consolation and a good hope through grace. So there's that hope in grace. The reason that God gives us grace, like for instance, if I fall, and uh, uh, let's say the let's go back to the example of the kid trying to do the math class, and one and one is three, and um, the teacher says no. Well, there's hope in that bit, child because he knows the teacher is going to help him find the right answer. So because the teacher's going to help him, it gives him hope, and that's what grace does to us. Grace gives us hope. We can say, you know what? I can get forgiveness. I can move on. I can do it better. And so I can do, I can do, uh, grace brings hope. Um, and so uh, there's hope in grace. And then there is, there's seven of these. And the next one is justification by grace. You've all heard that. Romans 3 and 22 says, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, And are justified freely by His grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 25. God presented as a sacrifice and atonement through faith in His blood. So the word justification, anytime you see the word justification... The best way to, to memorize that is it's just if I hadn't have done it. Justification. It's the best way to understand the definition of it. That's for me. Just if I hadn't. So when God justifies something, um, when, when, when somebody steals something and they ask forgiveness and God gives them justification, he just if I hadn't have done it, in heaven... He is free. But on earth, there are consequences. He may have to go to jail. He may have to do some things. It all depends. Someone tries to justify all sins as being the same. All sins is contrary to God, but different sins have different consequences. And so there's different consequences in different sins. And uh, there's a big difference between somebody that kills and somebody that lies. And there's a big difference there. There's difference in the consequences. But all sins can be justified. God can forgive all sins by justification. But our justification comes by our grace. Our grace is the unmerited favor of God. God looks down and he says to the child of God who lied, he says, you know what? I love you. I went to Calvary for that. I died on Calvary. I can give you the forgiveness. You want forgiveness. 
You're going to repent, which means turn around. You're not going to do it again at this point. You know, it's amazing to me how it's at this point. People come to the Lord and they get saved. They get the Holy Ghost. God speaks through them. It's just uh, they get the whole nine yards. And then five years later, they're back out in the world sitting in a bar. And you look at them and you think, were they ever saved? Yes, they were saved at that period of time. Just like I was a sinner at once, and now I'm a saint. Praise the Lord. And so, yes, they're saved. And God looks at that person who lied and says, I am, you're, you're at the moment. You are asking for forgiveness. Your heart is in the right place. I'm going to give you forgiveness. He's not going to withhold that forgiveness because he knows within another year or two, they're going to be back out there doing sins. He allows them to feel the, the, the freedom of sin right now. And so he forgives them. That's their justification. And so he forgives them by grace. And they are now, just if they hadn't done it in heaven, praise God, although we still remember it on this earth. And so, praise the Lord. And then grace is also known as sufficient grace. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. And it, Paul was given to that to keep him humble. And he asked the Lord three times. He said, Lord, he said, what about this? He said, I, I, I got this thorn in the flesh. And I'm not sure what it was. They've got about three different funny ones, but I'm not sure what it was. And in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it says, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God might rest upon me. I'm just going to say it like this. There are some times in our lives that it is better to suffer with an illness, praise the Lord, or either to, and, and, and either to go through the death of a loved one than to have it the opposite way. Sometimes it is better for God not to answer our prayers. We'll suffer with an illness. Uh, we'll, um, something of that sort. The best thing that I can explain to you is just a story that I heard. There was a king, and that king uh, had a servant. And that king liked to hunt. And so the king would go out hunting. And the servant would, would pre prepare his flintlock. And one night when the king was going to shoot an animal, the gun misfired, backfired. The bullet came backwards and took the king's thumb off. And he was so irate with the servant that he put him in prison. And so years had went on. And the king decided to go out hunting again, and this time he got caught by some cannibals. And they got him, and they lined them all up to eat him. But when they looked at the king's thumb, it was missing. And in the history, there had been one that they had cooked with a missing limb, 
And it brought a sickness, and it probably wasn't that, but there came a sickness throughout the camp. And they would not kill him, cook him, and eat him because they were afraid of that sickness. But they did the rest of his men. They let him go. He got back to the palace. The first thing he did was release the servant, brought him into the court, and publicly apologized to him. And he said, and the servant said, no, 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 you don't owe me no apology. And the king says, I don't understand why. He said, because if I would have been with you, I would have been eaten. And there are some times that there are things that happen in our lives, a sickness, a death of a loved one, or something like that. And we pray to God and we say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, a person that wants to be successful may not make it to success, but success might have been their ruin. And God will keep them from success. Someone, uh, you know, might, God might keep them from being rich because rich would cause them to be ruined and they would become a different person and lose out with God. You know, I, I believe that life is like an orchestra. There's a crescendo. And you can go by past that crescendo, but there's a timing. And I've always told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, take me home if I'm ever going to fail. If I'm ever going to fail you, Lord, take me home. Now, if I go home tomorrow, I don't... But the thing of it is, I tell the Lord, I say, Lord, you know, I just trust the things in my life. There are things I wish God would change in my life. But I'm thinking, God, if you've got them there for a purpose, if they're there to help me, then that's sufficient grace. That is your grace. That your, your loving grace and caring grace. Grace is the thing that God is saying, I want you to do better. And that's why I'm allowing this to happen. And that's what he did to Paul. He said, I'm wanting you to be the best you could be, Paul. And that's why I'm allowing you to have this thorn in the flesh. It's sufficient grace to save you. And so you can look back in your life and you can see things that happened to you. There are things that happened to me and there are things that are horrible things. And I'm old enough and sane enough to know what I'm talking about. Horrible things. But somewhere, there's, there, there, I would not be where I'm at tonight if God did not allow that to happen to me. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying it was the right thing. I'm not saying that, uh, uh, you know, that, that I, I would want it done. But I'm just saying, God knew what would make us the best we could be. There are things in my life I say, Lord, if I just didn't have this in my life. And I'm thinking, Lord, if it wasn't for that, I would be missing something. There's something about that. I don't know what it was with Paul. I don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. But that thorn in the flesh helped him to be the better man. And God's grace wanted him to be the better man. And when you realize that God wants you to be the better person, 
You'll relax a little more. You know, I was, uh, I was at a, I got six minutes. I was at a, I walked up to a store. It was a, uh, it was a, um, a medical supply store. And I knew the girl that worked there. And she was going out to lunch. And she met these guys, the couple at the door. And they wanted to buy something because he was going into surgery. And she said to him, you know what? Um, why don't you wait until after surgery and come in? And I mean, he blew all over her. Well, I'm sorry we're stopping you from going to lunch. And I thought, you don't understand. If you don't get that surgery, you're going to have to pay for this out of your pocket. She was actually protecting them. But the only thing they could see was she was stopping them. He was, they, all they could see was it was a selfish purpose. And she tried to explain to them, and they just got so upset with her. Well, if you don't want to help us, we'll go somewhere else. And sometimes we do that same thing to God. God is trying his best to help us. And we need to say, Lord, let it be sufficient grace for me. And this, you know, it's sometimes we don't get the answer that we want. But there will always be a sufficient grace for us to work it out. Praise the Lord. And last but not least, grace to help. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. We can go to God Go to God with anything you want forgiven for, anything you want help with. Lord, help me control my mouth. Lord, help me control my attitude. Lord, help me control my finances. Lord, help me control my time. Lord, help me control. Praise the Lord. You can go to grace and ask the Lord to help you to be able to do that. And it's just no wonder when we're talking about grace, it's no wonder that one of the greatest songs that we sing is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Grace is an amazing thing. Let's all stand. Praise God. In the future, if you ever want... Some of my notes, let me know. I will send them over to you. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you for this evening. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move and to help me. Dear Lord, let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. Continue to touch those that are sick and afflicted and in the hospitals. And God, we're going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?